Coming to you live from the Morningstar Mission Sponsored Studios, this is Carl and Crew Mornings on 90.1 FM Moody Radio. When you think about the gap between where you are and where you'd like to be, in any area, you can identify challenges that often stand in the way. So, for instance, I have been more sedentary in these last couple months or so than I have in a really long time. Okay. And so I keep telling myself tomorrow's the day that I get back yeah. in the gym or in yeah. the basement to work out. <laughs> right. <laughs> Maybe it's not even go to a physical gym. Maybe sure. it's just go downstairs and, and do a little bit. But some of the challenges for me, fatigue. Sure. Yeah. I get out yeah. of here with good intentions mm-hmm. and then I get really tired. And yeah. it's hard to it's hard when good intentions meet really meet, tired. Meet really tired. Exactly. And really tired has been winning as of late. I'm yeah. not gonna lie. Some of the other challenges. I've got some scheduling challenges, you know, but like all of you do, there are lots of other things competing for my time. So those are probably my top two challenges. And then number three is it's hard getting back on the horse. Yes. When you get a little bit out of shape. It's hard to get started again. That it first is. step is sometimes the yeah, hardest one. Exactly. Jonathan, can you think of something that you have in your life in some area where mm-hmm. there's a gap between where you are and where you'd like to be? Yeah. I am not very good when it comes to getting to my to-do list in a <laughs> timely manner. Okay. I am a very good procrastinator. Okay. And the challenges I face are, one— looking at the list of all the things I have to do and not feeling anxious. Because when you look at the list and the list starts to feel overwhelming, yeah, then you just kind of don't do anything on the list and ignore it and hope it goes away. And it just doesn't. It gets mm. bigger. Okay. And so I think that's probably one of my biggest challenges is not looking at the whole thing, but just trying to take it one step at a time and being committed to that type of process. Okay. You've identified it. Super die. Same question. Where, where in your life do you see a gap between, okay, here I am there. I'd like to be. (laughs) Well, a lot of it has to do. And I've talked about it a little bit, just with, just with my house, just stuff, Mm -hmm. stuff. And there's so much stuff. It's like, where do I start? So I tend to get overwhelmed and I feel like I am lost in the boxes and in the clutter and everything else. And I'm one of those that's in it. And it's like, again, where do I start? So I have to back up a little bit and just God's grace and strength and go, okay, even if it's one little thing, it's it's done. It's, yeah. it's something. But getting just, yeah, it's not where I want to be. And it's very challenging getting started, as Jonathan mentioned. But just looking at all the tasks and just being overwhelmed of where to start because the ending start. doesn't seem to be envisioned. Yeah. And, you know, this is true for so many areas of life. And, and this week we've been identifying what are those top three or, or three big challenges that we face in the church, that we face when it comes to being disciples of Christ. And Carl's identified three of them. This is not exhaustive, but these are three biggies. We're going to give a quick overview of where we've been and what's the one we're going to tackle today. The challenges, if the goal is to be a vibrant Spirit-filled church, what's stopping us? Learning to follow Jesus each and every day. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. You know, this is a golden opportunity, isn't it, Allie, where we think about 
how in the world should we live? And I feel like there's a movement growing that it's like, boy, we need to get strong in the Lord here. Yeah, what what gives you that sense? Because I, I think the same. Is it just what you're seeing in your congregation or what is it? I think congregation, but mainly the responses to salvation and then uh, an intensity, like even a couple of days ago when we put out, what's that one thing that's holding you back? People are eager to identify those things. Yeah. I just think there's a general sense, and I think it's natural when you see the axles coming off here. And I mean, some of the stuff that I'm seeing is just heartbreaking. Um, Isaiah's right. There's going to be a time when people call good evil and evil good, and and we're seeing that. I think one of the most biggest tragedies for me, and I think what rattles a lot of people, is that even stateside here last night here in downtown Chicago, we had big rallies. And I understand, as I've been sharing, as you just heard, man, we should have deep compassion and deep love and even love for enemies, believing that God can save the Hamas, God can save the deepest, darkest terrorists that have done the most despicable things. In fact, we are talking about this this last hour. The Apostle Paul was a terrorist. Yeah. He would have been identified as a terrorist. But God saved his soul. Yeah. And yet at the same time, when you see people that are, it's almost harder for me to see people who are cheering for what has happened in Israel with the attack of the Hamas on these innocent lives. It's almost harder to see the aftermath of people that celebrate that. It's at least equal to the acts themselves. Mm -hmm. And it makes you go, whoa, we live in a world with spiritual crisis, man. Yeah. And I think there's this sense where it's almost it's almost scary the the level of like the divide between people where it seems almost like there's no what is it that can bring people together not just obviously only the prince of peace right and you see that there's no there's no peace treaty there's no arrangement there's no agreement that will bring any kind of lasting peace and you see the ripple effect of in other parts of the world where there's this hatred one for another and you go there's no there's no earthly way of solving this and to me it's not even hatred one for another it's it's the celebrating of injustice is what's horrific to me. Celebrating of injustice mm -hmm. is just, it's mind-boggling. Uh, some of the videos that I've seen, people taking pictures, giving the bird to, um, there was some trucks in New York City that somebody rented that have those, you know, those images on those yeah. LED boards yeah. that yeah. go up. Yeah. And you got these two young ladies that are taking a picture, giving a finger to two kids that are held hostage yeah. and taking a picture of themselves, giving a finger to these kids. Mm -hmm. And you're like, hold it a second. This isn't a matter of just peace treaty. This is a matter of pure evil yeah. in hearts. This is crazy. And I think people see that and they go, whoa, we live in a weird world right now. And I don't know, to be honest with you, welcome to the family, 9755, because you got the Prince of Peace in you right now. And, and as well, 8713, welcome to the family. Um, I don't know if it's always been this way or if there's just been an undercurrent. We know we've always had this. All you got to do is look at 
history, the Nazis, what was going on there, or if we've got just our cup is getting bumped as we get nearer to the end. I'm not saying we're at the end, but it seems that we're getting near to it. But boy, the hearts of man are seen more than ever before. I mean, my heart can be seen when my cup gets bumped. Sure. But boy, it's a tough thing. And I think that, back to our topic, I think people are seeing some of what's going on. And I think it's, it's, it's causing people to go, number one, am I right with God? And number two, am I really strong as a disciple of Jesus Christ? And so I do think there's a, a move to really get squared with God and humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God and let him lift us up. It's a cool it's a cool thing that God's doing in the church and with those that are Christ followers this morning. I want to welcome you guys. We're going to handle a topic that is that very thing because there's some challenges that face the church today without a doubt. And the question is, how are we going to respond to this? And one of, one of the challenges that I want to tackle today, and I'm going to give it to you right now, ah, let me wait. Coming up in a minute and a half, let's get to one of the big challenges that we face as a church. I'll go back and recap a couple that we've already hit this week, and then we're going to hit the third one. we got a lot going on. In fact, I want to make sure you get this this morning. If you haven't heard, we've got Founders Week last night. It launched this morning, and it's in full swing. If you've got an opportunity to be part of this, we'd love to have you do that. Yeah, just text the word LIVE to 312 274 9624 if you want to you could still get here in person or you can check out the live stream our carlin crew team has a little cameo on friday night's session so go ahead and text the word live to 312-274-9624 start your day with a boom you're listening to carlin crew mornings well one of the things that we can do as the church is get strong in the lord and if there's some challenges that have faced the church, and we talked about a couple of them here already this week, boy, let me give you a couple that just come to the top of my heart this morning. One is many people suffer from an illusion of salvation, thinking they know Jesus, but don't, and will spend eternity separated from God. We talk about that a lot around here, and Matthew 7 is really clear. Jesus' words are spot on. And one of the realities that we face is that the church has a lot of people week to week who come and go and maybe even serve, but don't know the real Jesus. And so we, we love to feature that here. We're not going to linger on that today, except to say, you know, examine where you're really at with God. As a matter of fact, I'm just going to throw this in here because we have a blog called Stand. And that's our keyword for it, nine ways to know you stand with God and he stands with you. One of the greatest assurances of salvation or wondering where you are and getting those questions answered is to go to the Word of God. And that's all we do in this resource that we want to give you. Just text the word STAND to 312-274-9624 and uh, just humbly ask the Lord, search my heart here, God. Where do I really stand with you? Just text the word STAND to 312 312- Two seven four nine six two four. A second big challenge, we talked about this two days ago. Discipleship was intended to be transformational, but we've made it informational and wonder why we lack the strength that God promises his followers. Man, I met with a couple of guys, actually five of us had lunch together yesterday, and they're from they're from J Life in Africa. J Life is basically 
uh, sun life that was begun here in Chicagoland. Really? Yeah. Okay. And contextualized for Africa. And the leader of it and two African leaders, one from South Africa, one from Togo, I met with these guys, and they are on fire for the Lord. But it's interesting because they face the same struggles in the church in Africa that we do here. There's a lot of people struggling from illusion of salvation, and then discipleship has been reduced down to information rather than transformation. Did that surprise you? Yes, it did. Because you assumed, what did you assume? Well, this I, was an American I, thing? Yeah, and I think, um, to be fair, I said how much of that is attributed to what we exported to Africa with our kind of our missionary format, or how much of it is that it just the church can devolve into gathering crowds, getting booties in seats, and getting bucks in plates. Mm-hmm. But that's a common malady in Africa. To sit here and listen to these guys pour out their hearts about how that's a challenge. Yeah. And J-Life was begun because— a missionary down there came back, they'd do evangelistic rallies, and they'd come back and see no one's grown at all beyond salvation. And he's like, no, we've got to make disciples here. Right. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah, you know, because I think when we think about the church in other parts of the world, we, we hear anecdotally that there are great moves of God that are happening in places where there's persecution, in places yeah. where uh, Christianity is not the norm where there's a real cost to following Jesus. And so that is a bit surprising to hear that in African nations, they're battling the same thing. Yeah, they are. And I think it it also kind of makes sense, even though it's not our first thought, because it wouldn't be mine either. But you look at like Matthew 7, the the common illusion of salvation passage. Many will come to me saying, Lord, Lord, Jesus wasn't writing that to the church in America. I mean, he was he was speaking that to believers that would come and listen. And mm. and so it, at the same time, as surprising as it is, it also makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah it really does. And, and, you know, the interesting thing is discipleship is hard work. Us five sitting around the table. One Togolese guy, awesome dude, man. One South African guy, I believe he is... I'm going to be mistaken. I, I believe he's Kosa. But, uh, and then a, another uh, man who lives in Cape Town, who's a missionary to Africa, man, they agree, they, their, their heart passion with J-Life, the contextualized Sun Life, contextualized Sun Life curriculum was all geared to helping make disciples. And now they're seeing it. They're seeing fourth and fifth generation disciples that are being made. And it's awesome. They got pictures of people that are fourth, fifth, sixth generation of disciples. So it's just a tremendous thing to watch happen. But let me give you the third challenge. And the third challenge is this. When you trust God's grace to save you, but self-help to change you, you lack the power to see significant and sustained change in your life. And now we know that this isn't just unique to us either, because we go to a classic passage in Galatians 3, 1 through 3. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? And it's a bunch of rhetorical questions, and the answer is no, no, oh no, we can't do that. Yeah. And Paul was 
in a very direct way asking them, how in the world are you going to grow in your faith and we can't do it in our own strength? So to kind of build off the second point, so not only is it do we kind of expect it to be informational instead of transformational, we think it's on us, it's, it's in our par- power to do it. It's on us. And we know that that's – has anyone been able to bootstrap their way to sanctification? No. No, it gets no. worse when I try that. Right? <laughs> I mean, we just can't do it, guys. So coming up here in a moment, we're going to tackle the solution. And it's found right in the book of Titus. But we'll give you the solution because some of you are getting up this morning and you're thinking, Carl, I really want to see victory in some area of my life. I want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And I think anyone who's been born of God and has a relationship with Jesus and is filled with the Holy Spirit, anyone would say, yeah, that's me. I want to do that. But the question is how. And we're going to go right to the word of God to show you how that works. That's coming up in a minute and a half. Discipleship to start your day. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. So what in the world is the solution when we find ourselves struggling in our own strength to try to grow up in our relationship with Jesus? And I think this is way more of a profound challenge than we might imagine. I It's it's very easy. I've done it a lot where we hear a truth and we go, man, I need to get that worked out in my life. That statement alone can be a hot tip that we're off on the wrong foot. So the solution is simply this, and we're going to give you a central passage of scripture. Learn to live in utter dependence on God's grace and power to save you and change your life radically and profoundly. Now, The key word in there is grace. What is God's grace? It's his power to do in us what we can't do in ourselves. This is the best passage of scripture in all the New Testament for what it is to leverage and to tap into God's grace for salvation and sanctification. Big fancy word for growing up in Jesus or saving faith and training faith. Listen to this. Titus 2, 11 through 14. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, comma, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. Look at this. Training us. There's so much here, guys. You could preach these few verses for a month. Training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. Let's break it down. What trains us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions? What does? The grace of God. Grace of God. And to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. What causes us to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age? The grace of God. (laughs) Waiting for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. What gives us the ability to wait in power for the blessed hope of Christ's return? Grace Grace of of God. God. Yeah, see, we got it. Okay. But really, it's almost funny Yeah, if it wasn't. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I want to tell you, Boom Crew, that thing that you're struggling with, whatever it is, fill in the blank. And here's what's awesome about the power of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God is always convicting. I'm convinced of that. Sometimes we tune him out, but he's always at work. 
And sometimes when we have a moment like this and I ask you a question, what's the one thing that if God were to get control of it and change it in your life would have a domino effect of much more victory in your spiritual life? You know what it is. And then we got a choice. Am I going to try to strong arm this thing in my strength or am I going to tap into the grace of God, his power to change me? Allie, what's it look like to tap into the grace of God versus bootstrapping? Well, I think about the book that you wrote. I mean, you, you're so passionate about this. You wrote a whole book about it, The Seven Resolutions, uh, Where Self-Help Ends and God's Power Begins. This looks like, it, this is what makes it complicated. There is effort required. Yes. And I think about that. Is it Dallas Willard, the quote, that grace isn't opposed to effort, it's opposed to earning? Yep. Dallas Willard. So it's that kind of high ridge Christianity where it's not that you're just sitting back thinking that spiritual growth is just going to happen, that I'm just going to sit in a chair and I'm going to pray a prayer and say, okay, God, change me and then just wait for it to happen. There's effort involved, but it's that that effort is powered by the Holy Spirit and that I'm not trying to earn my way to God. That's so good. It's totally detached from my effort and whether or not I'm getting graded on how much I put into it. I'm glad you used the word grade, that it's not that I'm not mm. attaching that to my value or my worth in God, that, okay, man, I really had a great week of devotionals. I bet God's really happy with me. Now I feel like I'm a good Christian. And those kind of thoughts creep up all the time where we're trying to do certain things to earn God's approval. What's on my heart right now is to say yes and amen, Allie. And deep is calling to deep this morning. I'm not asking you to be morose to tap into God's powerful grace, but to just be mindful of the fact that he can do what you can't do. And if you want to be positioned for power, because we know how powerless we are in ourselves. Absolutely. We find over and over again in Scripture that humility <clears throat> is the posture of the power-filled life, for sure. And humility will cause the branch spoken of in John 15 to have an abiding relationship with Jesus and focus on that rather than focusing on the end of the branch where God performs yeah. this fruit-bearing life in us. It's a powerful thing. And it causes us, grace causes us to kind of throw out the performance metrics. Yeah. You know, numbers are great. We loved, we track all kind of numbers here. We track numbers to see, you know, how many people are downloading our, our showcasts. We track numbers. Are we giving resources to you to kind of see how we're doing? We can easily apply a performance metric to our spiritual life. How much did I pray this week? How much did I do this? Am I involved in enough activities to kind of clear that benchmark, whatever that is, hmm. of being a good Christian? I keep using that term good Christian because I don't know why that creeps into so much of our, it's our language, man. <laughs> like that, you know, it's funny because my son asked me a question the other day and, and it showed me how much this kind of gets in our head. And he said, you know, he 
he said fifth grader and fifth grade boys at public school, fifth grade boys anywhere, private school, <laughs> Christian school. Let me just not even homeschool. Homeschool. Yeah. He's hearing all this crazy stuff that the boys are saying at school. And he goes, this one thing, it just keeps popping in my head. I heard it said all day yesterday. All day. He's like, is that a sin that will be counted against me? Because I keep thinking this same thought that I heard all day yesterday. And it was an interesting conversation to heart. try to, he was wrestling with this. I keep thinking it and I can't seem to stop thinking it. Is mm. that a sin that's going to be held against me? Yeah. And the answer is no, it's not. Yeah. And, and when, when the onus comes on us, even for a fifth grade boy, when the onus comes on us, you know, the only response, even for a fifth grade boy, is to understand who you are in Jesus Christ. And that it's not up to your performance or even what's rattling around in your mind, whether or not God loves you yeah. and cares for you. And that it's by his power that we can overcome those sinful thoughts. It draws us into deep calling the deep, worship in our hearts, humble posture before God that says, God, I am unable to deal with the thoughts rattling around in my mind. I am unable to change behaviors in my life. But God, you are able. And it's that posture that changes everything. It's biblical Christianity. It's not high road. It's real Christianity. And God's giving you the ability to walk it out today. Hey, Boom Crew, this is Matt Forte. Huddle up, because we're taking our next step with Jesus here on Carl and Crew in the Morning. Well, we're officially in football weather. Yes. We certainly are. Is your son still playing flag? He is. Okay. He's uh, he's playing flag football. He announced, well, we've now lost four in a row. (laughs) Oh, a hard feeling. Is he having fun, though? He is having fun. Okay, okay. But they are on a little losing streak. It's a flag football team, and it's a fifth, sixth grade league, and his team is all fifth graders. So they keep reminding each other, hey, guys, we're only fifth graders. Some (laughs) of these kids are really big. Yes. It'll be our year next year. That's right. Great. Oh that's boy, right. it's they have a little group chat that sometimes I'm privy to. Actually, <laughs> I read every text message, and it's hilarious. They're like, "Guys, these losses don't matter until high school." <laughs> has your son heard that they are going to add flag football to the Olympics? Yep, he has okay. heard that. He really, okay. really enjoys flag football, and at this point, height really helps you. Oh, and yeah. he's a really yeah. tall fifth grader, yeah. so that usually gives him an advantage. Until they face the tall sixth graders. And then he's like, and my height advantage. He's gone. So much. I'm like, growth spurts coming next year is your year. That's right. Coming up, is there reason for hope in the Holy Land? I want to point you to a excellent documentary. I sat down and watched the whole two-hour documentary over about three days. And I was so blown away. So many emotions. So much understanding I didn't have before. We'll tell you about it coming up. Get your morning crew at all times of the day. Follow Carl and Crew Mornings on Facebook and Instagram. One of the great challenges, Boom Crew, as we see what's happening in Israel, and we iterated yesterday at length, is that we've got to rise to this high ridge as disciples of Christ. What is that high ridge? It's the high ridge that prevents us from taking sides. Because the problem with taking sides in a fallen world is there are innocent people 
everywhere swept up in this chaos. Yeah. Absolutely. Everywhere. And it's hard because, hard. of course, you you hurt for them, but it complicates what, you know, what feels right, what is wrong, what's the good thing, what's the bad thing. It, it makes everything complicated, and it hurts. It's hard. Yeah. Well, we've got the the brain trust behind a documentary that has won an amazing award. And before we're done here, Boom Crew, I'm going to give you a link so that you can go download this. But it it's amazing. It's one of the best overviews of the historical challenges in the Middle East, primarily between the Palestinians and the Israelis that I've ever seen. With us right now, Justin Crone. Justin, what in the world gave you a vision to do this documentary? I know it was a three-year-long effort, a, a year in editing. What was the vision behind this? Yeah, first, just want to say a pleasure to, to be on with you. Uh, thank you just for your great reporting and in your heart behind just better understanding of what's going on there in Israel between them and, and their neighbors. These have been very, very difficult days. Frankly, it's it's been difficult days for decades, not to the extent that we've seen here in recent weeks, but there's been a conflict going on between Israel and, and her neighbors, uh, really since the rebirth of the state of Israel in 1948. And what I've noticed in recent years is there's been a tremendous amount of misinformation, misunderstanding, a lot of confusion uh, among people who who just don't understand, how did we get to this place? What happened? What right. did Israel do something to really upset the Palestinians? And what is that? And how can we just better understand what's going on? And, and I'll be honest, I've seen a lot of Christians and non-Christians come to a conclusion that Israel's the aggressor in this, and they're the ones who are at fault. And from my time and experience traveling to Israel many times, studying the subject, I just really felt that there needed to be a more fair and balanced portrayal of what's going on and to really just talk to the people on the ground about what are their perspectives so that yeah. people can hear directly from them uh, rather than from a maybe a, a three-minute segment yeah. uh, on a news report. Justin Crone, our guest right now, he is uh, the founding director of the Kesher Project. It's a ministry dedicated to demonstrating the love of Jesus to our Jewish friends and neighbors. And you've got a unique vantage point because, Justin, you're a Messianic Jew. You came to the point where you saw Jesus as the Messiah. Tell us your story. Yeah, the short story is uh, I'm a second generation Jewish follower of Jesus, the Messiah. My mother, uh, who grew up in a conservative Jewish home uh, here in Skokie, she came to faith when I was just five years old. And the family that led her to faith uh, helped me come to an understanding of, of who Jesus is. And my journey since that time has really kind of been one of learning to reconcile my Jesusness with my Jewishness and, <laughs> and realizing that I don't have to check my Jewish identity at the door to be a follower of Jesus. And so the ministry that I lead is very much oriented on helping followers of Jesus make their own connection to the Jewish roots and foundations uh, of their faith so that they can better uh, not only understand more of who Jesus is, but better represent who Jesus is to Jewish people. So I've been grateful to be able to do that now for 25 plus years. Yeah. Justin, I was on a plane one time, probably a couple of years ago now, and I was shocked by something. And I don't get shocked by much anymore. I've lived long enough, but I was sitting next to a high-powered attorney from Chicago here 
And he introduced himself, and he said he was Jewish, and we had a great discussion. And I said, oh, you know my favorite king, King Josiah. Hmm. He didn't know anything about Josiah. What is the continuum of a Jewish community here in Chicagoland that even understands the history of the scriptures and the Jewish traditions? And why is there such a disconnect for so many people, much like Christians, who claim to be Christians but don't know anything of the New Testament? Listen, Jews are a people. Some observe Judaism and others don't. Some are religious and and some aren't. Um, In fact, the some who aren't far outnumber those who are. And so there's just a lack of knowledge regarding the Judaism is about what Jewish history and, and such. And so for many Jews, it's about their culture. It's about their traditions. We're just, you know, we're Jews and, and other people are something else. Um, yeah. It's important to understand that, you know, not every Jewish person has uh, like a copy of the Hebrew scriptures on their nightstand that they, you know, read before they go to bed every night. So just understand Jews are a people. Some are religious. And some are not. Yeah, very much like the Christian or those that claim to be in in the Christian faith. Same identical thing. Uh, Justin, there is something happening, though, globally right now. And there is an interest in spiritual things. On our morning show, we're seeing many salvations right here, live on radio. And it's awesome. It seems that this conflict that will only be resolved at the end of the tribulation at Armageddon when Jesus comes back to really set all the wrongs right, will there be lasting peace? But it's amazing how this conflict can have a silver lining in it where people are starting to ask questions about Israel, the end times, Palestine, and then how we relate to the Hamas even as Christ followers and people that don't even know Christ or are far from him seem to be responding to the Lord right now, Justin. We see with current events that they seem to really be lining up with what the Bible has prophesied, what God has laid out to be a part of his plan of redemption and, and restoration for the world. And, and so when people begin to see that, wow, there's some credibility here in what the scriptures teach and what they re- reveal, yeah. it has to open up our hearts to who is God, who, who is Jesus? And what's going on around me? What's going on just even with, within my own heart? And where do I line up with what God is doing? And what I think we're seeing here is, again, a confirmation that the word is true. Yes. That word can be trusted. Yes. And, and so my encourage anyone who's listening right now, if you're confused about what's going on, search the scriptures. I've been so greatly encouraged in recent days by several passages, but I'm reminded particularly of this one from Jeremiah chapter 31 regarding God's faithfulness to the Jewish people. This is what the Lord says. He who appoints the sun to shine by day, who decrees the moon and stars to shine by night, who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar, the Lord Almighty is his name. Only if these decrees vanish from my sight, declares the Lord, will Israel ever cease being a nation before me. And so look at here we are several thousand years later after God made this promise to Israel, after many other ancient peoples have passed away, they cease to exist. Here we still have Israel in our midst, strong, uh, although bruised, right, in, yeah. in recent days from, this, from the attack, 
but yet strong and, and resilient. And I believe this is only because God has made a promise and he is being faithful to that promise. Amen. Justin Crone, my guest right now, amazing man. Love this guy. I love your heart, Justin. Coming up here in a moment, I want to delve into your documentary, Hope in the Holy Land. And I really want you, Boom Crew, to understand that this little short of two-hour documentary, I've watched the whole thing, it will open your eyes to the historicity, both ancient and modern times, of what's going on in Israel and how you can then pray. Hang on, more with Justin Crone coming up. Your spiritual pit stop to keep you going in the race. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. Well, with us right now, Justin Crone. He has produced an amazing documentary called Hope in the Holy Land. And your intention with this, Justin, let's just cut to the chase. Give some biblical perspective because as Christ followers, we should be postured not in a camp of politics, but far above that. Wouldn't you say, Justin? For sure. You will never look into the eyes of someone who doesn't matter to God. Yeah. Hear that. You Praise will never God. look in the eyes of someone who doesn't matter to God, whether that person's Jewish or Arab, you know, Israeli or, or Palestinian. They matter to God, right? This Even Hamas. That, I got to throw that in. Even Hamas. Yeah. No, I appreciate you saying that. I mean, we've been called to love our neighbor and to love our enemy. So what does that look like as we apply that to the conflict between Jews and Arabs in, in the Middle East? So what, is, what does that look like? And so that's why we made this film, because we, we need to show as followers of Jesus what that looks like. And, and part of what that looks like is being able to sit down and listen to someone else's story. Now, this does not mean that we have to agree with their perspective. They could be categorically wrong. They could be completely on the other side of history. Yeah. Nevertheless, how do we demonstrate compassion and understanding? Because if they don't know that we care about them and love them, at what point do we honestly think that they're going to want to even hear about the love of God that he has yeah. for them? So this is why we went into this. And, and also just to, you know, as I mentioned earlier, a lot of confusion, a, a lot of just misinformation, a, a lot of distortion and lies related to the conflict. And I, I think all lies come really just from Satan himself. Yep. And so we needed to confront those lies because we are called to be people of light and we're called to be people of truth. And so that's what we want to demonstrate in, in relation to the conflict between Israel and our neighbors. Boom Crew, a really well shot documentary. And you can rent this with the link that we're going to give you for $5. You can purchase it for 10 and it is a great investment. I've seen the whole thing from beginning to end. It'll cause a lot of emotion. And I want to encourage you as you're watching this, if you've been gripped by um, taking sides or a political perspective, you're going to hear something in a moment that goes, oh, that rankles me. But you need to listen longer because when you start understanding the nuance of what's happening here, not in any way justifying violence, but then having a prayerful consideration of, as Justin said, every person you look at, God loves and he cares for. It'll change everything. Just text the word hope to 312-274-9624. Text the word hope. 
to 312-274-9624. I'm not even done with Justin yet because uh, people are getting this link right now. Justin, you're working on a new docu-series as a follow-up. How is this conflict that's just erupted impacting the shooting of that new docu-series? Fortunately, everything's in the can. We're now just in the editing process, but we're doing it in stages. And I can say this about episode, we've already released the pilot episode of the series. We already had slated for episode two to focus on Gaza and the security issues related to Gaza. So it's a good thing that we didn't start editing for that before this conflict erupted again. So we're, we're working on that. So we're excited uh, really about what we're going to be able to share beyond what the film itself was able to to share with people. So I would just encourage people, if you want to know more, if you want insights, if you want truth on what's happening on the ground, uh, not only watch the film, but get plugged in with this series and support what we're trying to do with it. I think you're going to be tremendously blessed, as will your friends who really do need to see this too. Yeah, this is great. We're going to have a link to the docu-series or the documentary Hope in the Holy Land. But in this link, we're going to also have a link to the website in general so that you can get these new series as they're released. Justin, I want to thank you, my man. Thank you for being with us today. It's really compelling. I love your heart, and uh, I love that you're a brother in Christ. Thank you, Carl. Good to be with you. Again, text the word HOPE to 312-274-9624. HOPE to 312-274-9624. The film is Hope in the Holy Land, incredible documentary. And we're going to give away two DVD copies of this documentary. If you would like to try to win it, just call 312-274-9624. We're going to give them to caller number 31 and caller number 41 to 312 312- Two seven four nine six two four. Hey, this is Carl with Carl and Crew, and I'm so grateful that you listened to this showcast. Thank you mostly for being part of the Boom Crew as we help you take your next step with Jesus. You're a huge encouragement to us. We'll be here again live every weekday morning from five to nine a.m. Godspeed.